From the 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studio, here's Steve Kaplowitz and Adrian Broadus. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we are off and running on uh, what is going to be a action-packed Wednesday edition of the show. Good to have you back. Good to be back in the 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studios. This is the first time since last Thursday that I've been here in the studios. Friday, I was out of town. So was Adrian. Monday at the Ale House. Yesterday at Memorial Gym. Wait a minute. Were we even, was I even at the station last Thursday or was that Memorial Gym also for the UTEP volleyball match? I believe that was Wednesday, right? Was it? I've lost track of days, Adrian. I think it was Wednesday. I'll be honest with you. Maybe you're right. I think you are right. Point is, haven't been in the studio in a while. Chairs feel different. Microphone looks different. Well, you actually do have a, diff- a different chair. Somebody replaced the, your other chair. What happened? This isn't even comfortable. No, that's our awful chair. I mean, we have a lot of bad chairs, to what be What is going on around here in this okay, building? I, I came in Monday, and I was like, wait, where's Steve's chair? <laughs> so, yeah, I guess this is something that uh, I don't know. It's it's the case of the missing chair. None of your chairs are here, by the way, so what, they're not what, here. Like, I mean, folks... I'm not going to lie to you, place I've ever had. So my chair's gone and nobody knows where it is. That's the first thing, okay? And, I mean, I'm, I'm looking around and, you know, we've got equipment lying around that, that you know, is kind of beat up and worn. All of our good stuff is gone. I mean, it's it's... It's crazy. I think the uh, I think what this tells us, Steve, the lesson here is when we leave, we've got to lock up everything, including chairs. We've got to figure out a, an office where we can put chairs in. Okay. Because now chairs are a premium, I guess. Are you at least wearing the new set of Sure headphones that I broke out uh, a couple of uh, weeks back? And yes. So those are yours. Those are the ones you have on right now. Correct, yes. Okay, you know what I'm doing tomorrow? I'm going to Office Depot. And I'm going to buy one of those white um, paint pens, and I'm just going to put Carody on every piece of equipment that we have. So when somebody steals it, all I have to do is look for the station uh, marked gear, and I know it's ours. Yeah, I like that. Now, but you have to do that on chairs. chairs. Yeah, I was seriously. I need to do that on chairs. I can't believe this. How embarrassing is this? This chair sucks too. The one I'm in right now is sloped downward. It's not even comfortable. There's no padding. (laughs) You can feel the springs coming out. I mean, it's it's brutal. Now you're uh, experiencing what our guests here in our studios have to experience every time they get out here. Such a Mickey Mouse hey, operation. If it's there's if there's a furniture company out there listening to us, we need some chairs. Uh, seriously, um, and and we'll just you know we, we'll trade them out. I'll, we'll make that happen. So yeah, if there is anybody listening who has good quality, um, like office chairs that wouldn't mind wanting to make uh, sports talk feel better and get a little love in the process, oh man, we'd love to hear from you. That would be that would be phenomenal, phenomenal. Hey, you give phenomenal. us give us some uh, of those chairs that you have in the back uh, that are comfortable, and then we promise we'll sell, sell you some chairs. We How about this? That. I think we've been in this building okay at least at least since two thousand and two, maybe earlier. Okay, it, it might be. So when we first moved into this building, 
we were all given really, really nice gear. Like, when I say gear, I mean chairs, right? So when you walk into my office, which, by the way, I'm lucky to have an office. Some people have cubicles. I have an office. Adrian has adopted the control room as his office because at least uh, people will stay away from him there. Um, they gave us chairs. I still have the same chairs. That that hasn't that hasn't changed. In fact, my chairs stopped. You know how the handle, you know, you could raise it up and down? That doesn't work anymore. So today I turned it over on its side and I kind of figured out a way to rig it to raise it a little bit. And I was super excited today. I feel like it was a victory for me. Because I know wow. I know we're not getting new ones. So when I was able to get the 23-year-old blue office chair to actually raise by figuring out how to like just I mean I stretched it out, Adrian. I I basically took the chair and the part that is supposed to work by using the little uh the the mechanism and I just stretched it as far as I could to get it to expand and when it opened up, I thought I was like a win for me today. I was like, "Wow, you know what? This is a win. I got I got a little bit uh, I got a little higher chair today." Man, I I mean, this is what we have to deal with over here. Folks, no, no headphones and then no chairs. Folks, 30 years in the business and seriously, I mean, it's it's to the point, and, and here's the reason why I'm not going to buy a chair. It will get stolen, or it'll go, it'll disappear. It will disappear. It'll disappear. Everything disappears around here. Everything. Except for my headphones, because I locked them up in my office every night. That's why. It's the only reason they haven't gone away. Otherwise, they would have been gone a long time ago. So... Yeah, I'm looking around and going, boy, I really have been gone a while because nothing feels the same, nothing looks the same. It's it's just uh it's a it's a mishmash right now what we have here in the uh, 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studios. I honestly thought that you swapped out the chairs and I was thinking, "Oh, okay, maybe he he put one in his de- in his office or Hell something no. like that." But yeah, I guess uh yeah, we got the makeshift chairs. I really wonder where it is. I guess we're going to have to check the production studios here in, in our first break. Maybe so. I know Scotty Walden was upset when he came in here last week because he saw some posters of New Mexico State on the board opposite his. We got all the UTEP posters, and then there's like two New Mexico State posters, and he's upset. Scotty, if you're listening, bring us some chairs, and I'll be the first person to take down the New Mexico State posters for you. And we will have, uh, and we will be, uh, we, we'll, we'll make a trade out. Okay, he just he just got a nice loose salary for going to UTEP, so we'll work that deal out. See what we can do. Anyway. All right, good start to the show. Um, maybe the reason we wanted to begin talking about office equipment and and um, chairs is because last night was a rough night for UTEP Volleyball. Uh, we were there. We built it up. Championship of the NIVC. UTEP had not lost a volleyball home match all season. That changed in a big way thanks to the shockers of Wichita State. And what they did was they came in and just absolutely dominated UTEP from really start to finish. Um, You know, the Miners never had a chance to win one of the three sets. They lost in straight sets. And here's the crazy thing about last night's match, okay? I've spoken to some fans, and they keep saying, boy, UTEP played awful last night. And I didn't really look at it like that. I didn't think they played awful. I thought the Miners actually uh, played very similar to how they have the entire postseason, and in some respects, the season. I feel like Wichita State came in, had an answer for everything UTEP threw at them, 
And on top of that, they were an absolute machine in terms of kills, spikes, and and just everything that goes into a match. Um, Tons of digs, tons of kills, fast play. They were great around the net, which was something you alluded to yesterday during the match, Adrian. That was the first thing you pointed out was just how strong they were around the net. And I don't really feel like UTEP, you know, sometimes when a team loses a sporting event and you know that they're the better team, your mouth when you lose and you're like, well, we lost, but we were the better club and we lost. Last night, UTEP lost and there was absolutely no doubt in anybody's mind who left Memorial Gym that Wichita State was by far the better of the two teams last night. Yeah, I think that's a great way to put it. I, I felt like it was so tough for UTEP to get points, and for Wichita State, points came to them by virtue of errors that happened by the Miners or by virtue of their own success. I did not think that the Miners had a particularly bad game. I, I also saw some people say, hey, was the moment too big for them? You know, stuff. Uh, yeah, celebrate the year that UTEP volleyball had because this uh, what this uh, run reminded me is that 10 years ago, I mean, heck, even seven years ago, we're talking about this volleyball program in mostly negative ways. They haven't had any sort of success within their program. And then you look at the banner that was there yesterday. It was 2021 when they made a run in the NIVC semis. This year, they made it all the way to the finals. That shows improvement year over year, in my opinion. And they didn't have any excuses uh, with them all year uh, long. So I would say that, yes, the the better team won yesterday, but that still doesn't take away from the historic season that this UTEP volleyball program had. Look, they played without two of their best players for much of the season. All right, they did. I mean, when and, and you think about it, when Pustahia got hurt, that was a huge blow to this team. That's your star. Yes, exactly right. And they played without her. And they actually played really well. Really well. So... Um, you know, I am interested to see what ends up happening uh, when it's, uh, you know, after after this season and for future years. I, I do think that they had a great season. Let's take nothing away. They stole the shaded this community for the last few weeks while they made their NIVC run. And that's all the credit in the world to Ben Wallace and his team. OK, and take nothing away from the job they've done. They deserve everything they got. And the NIVC people that I spoke to last night after the match were blown away by how incredible the crowd was. They were they were raving about Memorial Gym and just how good that crowd was last night. Raving about them. Yeah, what a great crowd. I mean, it was intense. Uh, I know the crowd was emotional, and they got quiet at points because Wichita State, bottom line, they went on runs. Mm-hmm. And that it just, it, I think it shocked the crowd. It silenced the crowd. True. That is very, very true. So we could talk about that on the show today. We'd love to get your thoughts. Uh, Jay Jaffe is going to join us in a little bit. Jeff Erickson later in the 5 o'clock hour today. And then at uh, 6, John will be back at Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue, I-10 and Artcraft for UTEP Basketball with Keith Adams and Joe Golding. So that will be happening uh, coming up 6 to 7 tonight from Rudy's. By the way, in the last one, has already told me that he has the chair that I, that, uh, I might like. He said, come by and check it out. Matt, uh, who works at uh, Learfield that operates NMSU, texted me and said, 
I'll buy you a chair if you keep our NMSU posters up on the wall. Wow. Hey, we'll keep them up forever if that's the case. <laughs> I need a new chair, too. I can throw an NMSU uh, poster over here. Do you remember the office Remember the office where they had the choice of new copier or new office chairs? Yes. And Pam really wanted the chairs, and everybody else was begging for the copier, including Oscar, who said that the copier was so old, like it was ready to just break down and die right yes. in the middle. Yes, yes. Well, here's the good news. News. This is not like a one uh, one or another choice. This is simply that, yeah, the chairs are awful. Absolutely awful. Yeah, I mean, there's no uh, debate about it. I mean, we yeah, we could use another printer. We could use another copy. No, we need pr- chairs. That's like UTEP needs a new locker room. It's a dungeon. These, are, these chairs belong in the UTEP locker room right now. The chair I'm sitting in is half peeled, okay? The black... Fake leather is peeling off, and instead I have some kind of screwy gray uh, or silver uh, coating underneath it. It's probably toxic for all I know. I mean, that's what we're doing right now. And then we've got these three matching chairs that are right across from us that all are warped. And essentially when you sit in them, you feel like you're about to fall on the ground. Yeah, that's a great way to put it or describe it as well because when you sit in one of them, uh, one side of you is on the chair, the other side is off the chair. Yes. And and, it, and a slight movement, you'll fall off for it's sure. It's so uncomfortable. Frank comes in, and then usually either his mom, Dana, his dad, uh, Adam, or and his grandfather, Jerry, come in. I mean, I'm always apologizing. I yes. feel terrible. I'm or like, like guys, the mayor comes I in. Mean, yeah, I'm like, yeah, come on in. By the way, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't. I have nothing to do with the accommodations in this building. None. Yeah, we can stand if you want. We can all stand and do this interview if that's the case. Good night. And again, folks, why are we not buying them ourselves? They'll be taken. We don't. I don't. You know, I, they're going to be gone. So I don't want that. I do not want that. Anyway. We almost need to be like a bar and restaurant. You know how they're like dead bolting some chairs down to the table. That's what we got to start to have. Listen, Buzz deadlocks his uh, his dead bolts his studio when he's gone. I have begged for that same um, ability so that nobody goes into our office, and I was told no, you do not get the opportunity to deadbolt your studio. So uh, as a result, this is what happens today. Every day, same thing. Yeah, I guess we got to get our ratings up, Steve. Yeah, I, I guess so. I, I guess we exactly right. We need to move to FM, and then we can then we can start talking. Yeah, now we can start playing with some gas. All right, seventeen past. Great to have you on board. Uh, we will get through today. I have no problem with that, including Jay Jaffe next. We will talk Otani. We will talk baseball. We will talk uh, a lot of great topics. But first, let's go to Charlie One and come back with this traffic update now. Hey, good news, folks. I found We found the chair during the break. Adrian found it. It was randomly in one of our production rooms. Just there. Just like, again, why would someone come into a studio yeah. and pull out a chair that we use every day for the show and just move it into a production room. What Best guess, we were gone Friday. Friday, Blue October came by, that, uh, those, that group. So maybe they needed nicer chairs fine, for Blue October. Fine. Then you know what? Then put it Return back. Return it. Then Return put it, it back. Have some, show some decency for crying out loud. Some class. 
what I'm saying, man. <laughs> Unbelievable. And yeah. by the way, the good chair, the one I'm used to sitting in, that's peeling too. All right. Yeah, probably because of uh, the little uh, theft or whatever. Oh, my God. It's unbelievable. Anyway, let's go to the phones. Right? I, I need to. I need, as, uh, we, we've got a brand new hotline sponsor, by the way. I want to welcome Longhorn Distributing to sponsoring our hotline. Lauren Hodges. Is, how can I put this? Not just one of the uh, most loyal clients you'll have at this radio station, but he's been, he's been with us for almost 20 years, folks. Day one. It's, uh, since day one, that's right. And yet, Lauren has never sponsored the hotline until now. So congratulations. Thank you, Lauren and Longhorn Distributing. So we'll jump out to the Longhorn Distributing hotline where all of our guests always appear. Jay Jaffe, who covers baseball for Fangraphs.com. You can follow him on Twitter at J underscore Jaffe, who uh, welcomes us back. In fact, he's continuing his look at the Hall of Fame ballad with uh, Chase Utley, who is actually on the uh, on the cover story on Fangraphs.com. What's going on, Jay? How are you? Hey, I'm good. How you doing, Steve? I'm doing all right, Jay. I'm, I'm better now. Now that I'm actually in my chair, I feel, I feel, I feel good. Remember when? Remember Archie Bunker's chair, and when Meathead once sat in it, and Archie was going to just, just he was, he was, he didn't know what to do. He was beside himself. <laughs> uh, that was a little before my time in terms of my viewing, but uh, I get it. Oh, yeah. listen, it was before my time, too, but it was on syndication for years, so I had a chance to watch that. But anyway, that's the way I was feeling until about five minutes ago where we, li- where we found the chair, and I'm happy about that. It gives us a chance to get into our segment. Um, gosh, where do we start? Let's start with Shohei Otani. All right, the more $180 million deferred, but how... Um, a good chunk of the seventy million annually will still count against the, um, I guess, the tax threshold. Um, you know, is this a move that is bad for baseball? Is it just something where they figured out a loophole to try to beat the system? Is it great for Otani and the Dodgers? Give me your take now that you've really had a chance to digest everything involved in that uh, deferred payment. Yeah, I think it's a pretty fair deal, to be honest with you. I mean, the net present value, or the 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 value of the deal, according to the co- the collective bargaining uh, agreements rules, uh, puts it at forty six million dollars uh, per year, with not seventy million dollars per year, because of the the, the deferrals reduce the um, you know reduce the amount of money it takes to fund that uh, over time. Um, so really, it's not that far ahead of where like. You know the top of the market contracts of of Max Scherzer and Justin Verlander uh, were so it, you know it raises the bar a little bit. It probably could have raised it a little bit more. Um, it's been it's been reported that uh, the Giants offered uh, uh, pretty much the same deal. Ultimately, Otani, you know, chose the Dodgers. I think because uh, he sees them as being this you know in a much stronger competitive position. He probably could have gotten the same deal more or less from. From a few other teams, if uh, uh, if they were willing to go there, um, but he really wanted to be in Los, you know, in Los Angeles. Uh, didn't have to move, um, or doesn't really have to move, uh, and uh, is going to a much better team, one that's a perennial contender. Um, so, you know, I think it's I, I, this is how the competitive, uh, you know, the competitive bargain agreement is structured. There's no limits on the on the amount of deferred money you can put in a contract. This isn't a loophole. This isn't dirty pool. Uh, this is him getting what he wanted, um, you know, which has some advantages for him as far as his tax uh, uh, situation. It, it, it helps the Dodgers remain flexible. Um, you know, I don't see anything about this that uh, 
um, you know, that, that's particularly unfair other than the fact that, you know, there are certain teams that just couldn't do this uh, due to their market size and their unwillingness to spend money. Meanwhile, you look at the deal. Um, of the $68 million deferred, no interest, payable in equal installments from January 1st, uh, each January, I'm uh, sorry, each July 1st, I should say, from 2034 to 2043. It also includes a full no-trade provision and provides for a hotel suite on road trips, a premium luxury suite for home games, and a full-time interpreter. Uh, the bigger question is going to be that when um, really, you know, the 2023 to 2033 seasons are being played, how much the Dodgers can continue to spend and what will they spend knowing uh, Otani is only going to be getting paid $2 million for each of those 10 years? In fact, I brought this up earlier, and give me your take on this, okay? Do you think there's a possibility that when he's done playing as a Dodger, Instead of giving him $680 million, uh, over 10 years, maybe they offer him a minority stake in the ownership of the team and do it that way. Yeah, it, it, that is actually a, a, a possibility. Uh, it's one that was raised by my colleague at Fangraphs, Michael Bauman, who um, is, is a, uh, let's see, an avid connoisseur of multiple sports, and he was remembering uh, the way that Mario Lemieux was able to parlay a situation involving the Penguins' bankruptcy uh, into an uh, uh, ownership share of the team that uh, uh, turned out to be worth a, a whole lot more than um, you know, the, than the salary he drew. Um, I don't anticipate the Dodgers going bankrupt. Um, the structure of Major League Baseball is such that that that's uh, uh, pretty much prevented, but. Uh, um, yeah, I suppose that's possible that he could uh, take an ownership stake at some point here in exchange for the deferrals. I mean, you know, you can always restructure a contract uh, such as this, um, but this is uh, this is how it's working right now. So we'll see. Well, Fangraphs already said that. Uh, not sorry, Fangraphs. Uh, this was from uh, Fanatics that he broke the record for highest jersey sales within the first forty-eight hours of a release, which uh, topped uh, Lionel Messi and uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. So that's how big Otani to the Dodgers has been, just from a merchandise standpoint. And he hasn't even been introduced yet. That's going to be tomorrow. Yeah, you know, it's important to remember, jersey sales and, and MLB licensed merchandise, that all gets pooled. That's not just the Dodgers getting that. But um, the estimates are that the Dodgers will make something like uh, 40 to $50 million, uh, just marketing him, or 30 to $40 million just marketing him. I think the Angels were making 15 to $20 million that way, which is part of the reason they didn't trade him at the deadline, despite um, there being so much interest. Uh, they needed that money. Um, but the Dodgers are expected to at least double that. So that's really, um, you know, part of the deal as well from, you know, in their perspective is that they're going to be making, uh, money off of Otani. And, and so, um, you know, they're only, they're, they're only paying him some of that really. More with Jay as we keep things moving. We'll also get his beer pick of the week, but first right back to Adrian standing by with his sports center update. We'll get his beer pick of the week coming up in just a little bit. So we talked about the Giants offering uh, Shohei uh, similar money as the Dodgers, but he goes to L.A. Give me your thoughts on hearing the news uh, yesterday. Jung-Hoo Lee, a 25-year-old center fielder who has been a terrific uh, ball player in the Korean baseball organization, the KBO, uh, is now going to be a Giant. Uh, again, $113 million six years, Jay. 
Yeah, this is a this is an interesting deal. I mean, Lee, uh, we saw a bit of him uh, in 2020 when we were covering the KBO at Fangraphs and uh, ESPN had those. This is a, uh, a a center fielder with speed, some power, but not a ton of power. Um, he's like you said, he's tw- he's 25 years old. Uh, this is you know something. I think the Giants. It's it's a nice consolation prize for losing out on Otani. He's not. This is not going to be a guy who replaces Otani in the lineup or anything like that. But the Giants, boy, they're really you know between losing uh, or losing out on Aaron Judge, uh, flunking Carlos Correa on the basis of his medicals, um, losing out on Shohei Otani. They're struggling for relevance right now. Um, they needed a, they needed a big win in the in the free agent market, and I think this is this is a pretty at least a pretty sizable one, uh, in that Lee is uh, a player who uh, certainly had some some appeal and utility to a lot of teams who, uh, in the market for a center fielder. Um, so you know, I think this is a good move for them. It's been a rough week of young arms and young prospects, I should say, not young arms, but young prospects getting hurt playing winter ball. Ronnie Mauricio gets diagnosed with a torn ACL. He's going to be out for the year and have to undergo surgery. Then we find out that Andy Rodriguez is going to, undergoes UCL surgery, and he's going to miss the 2024 season for the Pirates. So between Andy Rodriguez and Ronnie Mauricio of the Mets, it has not been a good week for, um, for Winter Bay. Yeah, that's that's unfortunate. Um, I don't know Rodriguez all that much, but I do know Mauricio a bit. Uh, uh, he is uh, a player who figured in the Mets' plans this coming year before tearing his ACL. Uh, a, uh, uh, a middle infielder who is considered a top 100 prospect uh, has some power. Um, Going to be a good ball player. He, he debuted for the Mets this past year. Played 26 games in September. Uh, didn't show everything that he could do, but uh, a lot of optimism about him being a part of their future. But right now, that's on hold uh, because of this injury, which is a shame. You're right. Um, you also had a chance to write about um, Mookie Betts moving the second. And you talked about the Dodgers' left side of the infield and how there could be some serious problems uh, with Max Muncy at third and Gavin Lux at short. You, along with Eric Loggenhagen, uh, had a chance to dive into this piece. Give me your take on uh, the Dodgers' left side. And um, do you think that Lux coming back from the injury can be adequate at short, or is that going to be a real issue? And then, of course, Muncy's defense at third. Yeah, you know, this was a this this was actually the same question they had going into last year, only without Mookie Betts in the, in in the picture. It was, uh, um, you know, it was it was an open question as to how they would they would configure their infield. But Lux had played second base uh, on and off uh, for them in in twenty twenty and twenty one, um, and had you know had finally broken through with the bat, but had not really. Um, uh, fully established himself defensively. He's he's been prone to the yips. Um, he did play some shortstop when Corey Seager was injured. Uh, he fared all right, other than a, a, a brief burst of, of throwing problems. Um, my colleague Eric had some thoughts on that, and and uh, um, really, you know, Muncie we've seen move around. He was the Dodgers' regular first baseman until uh, he moved back to second base, where he'd done a lot of play, a lot of play. Uh, since coming over from the A's, and last year he was at third, and he was kind of rough. Um, you know, you look at the, the the fact that the Dodgers are turning over their rota- most of their rotation here uh, due to the free agency losses of uh, uh, Julio Arias, uh, Lance Lynn, and uh, um, 
in all likelihood, Clayton Kershaw, at least who's not going to be able to pitch for the first half of the season, whether he does resign or not. Um, the odds are they're not going to have guys who are as, you know, as good as those three, so they're going to be more dependent upon their infield defense. And I think that you know, when you look at their organizational depth, um, that left side is really very shaky, and, and uh, you know, it's, it's a vulnerability for them. Do you like the news from Major League Baseball today? We find this out that they're calling Spring Breakout. It's a uh, four-day event during spring training in which an organization's best prospect group will be going up against another team's best prospect group in a game that's part of a doubleheader with a regularly scheduled spring game. So if you love the young kids, now's your chance to see something that instead of being on the backfield... Um, you know, one of the one of the joys of, er, of, of the early weeks of spring training is getting a glimpse of these prospects who maybe don't figure in a team's immediate plans or a couple years away, but uh, uh, they get some exposure on the big fields uh, before being reassigned and before the veterans are, are all uh, uh, fully in shape. This sounds like a great way to um, give fans some more familiarity with them and uh, uh, to, uh, you know, to, to do a better job of marketing them while they get uh, some competitive experience in some higher stakes games. This is kind of like uh, the Futures game, uh, writ large, uh, in that uh, uh, the spotlight will be on these these guys, and uh, they'll get a chance to, to taste what that's like. When you go to the website, Fangraphs.com, you'll check out Jay's Hall of Fame ballot for 2024. In fact, profiled uh, Chase Utley today, um, has Mark Burley, Andy Pettit, uh, and uh, a little experiment from uh, last week. But uh, the Utley uh, is, is a good one, and um, I really do believe that Chase Utley could find himself in Cooperstown before it's all said and done. I think so. I mean, I you know, I don't know if it's going to be this year. You got a really crowded ballot to work through here um with the whole between the holdovers and Adrian Beltre. Um but I do think that you know, he's in a better position that, uh than he would have been, you know, even 5 years ago due to the acceptance of uh, the kind of work that I've been doing here. So, um I'm optimistic. I've you know, I've talked to people uh across the spectrum and and I think they're more supportive of of Beltre. Uh, than I had uh, suspected going in. So, um, so far, he's uh, he's got nine votes from among the first 15. This will not sustain itself, um, you know, over the course of 400 or so ballots. But uh, one of the fears going into this was that he would not get the 5% needed to retain eligibility. This was maybe not, not an immediate fear this year, but uh, as we looked back and compared him to players like Bobby Gritch and Lou Whitaker, uh, two second basemen for, to whom that happened. He's already about halfway to the votes he needs to um, uh, to stay on the ballot, and and this is very early on. So I think he's going to be fine in that respect, um, and we'll see him build on the, on on this. I, I'm I'm excited for the possibilities. Uh, before we wrap things up uh, here on the show, let's do beer pick of the week. Jay, who would you like to profile? Okay, this is one from Three's Brewing, which I have, uh, have not uh, ordered a delivery yet, even though I have confirmed that they will deliver here. Um, this is their Strata IPA. It's a, it's a hoppy ale that uh, uh, uses the Strata hops. Um, it's got a fruity, a uh, uh, little bit of grapefruit, a little bit of berry, um, just a nice, uh, solid IPA uh, from uh, along their usual line, six and a half percent ABV. Nice to mix it up now and then. Um, 
you know, with with different hops here and there. So uh, I like this one a lot, and I'll be drinking it again. Congratulations. I'm sure when you found out that Three's Brewing could be delivering to your new house in Brooklyn, that was like a major win. Uh, listeners don't understand just the importance of that brewery and your life and, and how big it is to have that uh, situation. Yeah, it's nice. And, you know, it's funny. I took a friend there a couple weeks ago um, who was in from Los Angeles, and uh, once again, they recognized people that came in, and then the first one was on the house. So it's always it's always nice to be treated well there. Um, uh, it's a brewery that uh, I, I hold I hold dear to my heart. Good. Well, listen, we'll look forward to the next time we get to chat, as always. Appreciate the conversation, Jay, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you here uh, next week on the show. All right. Sounds great, Steve. Thanks. Jay Jaffe, folks, as we continue 41 past the hour. More in a moment. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. F6009, that's our telephone number. With you till 6 o'clock today, then John's taking over. John Teicher live out at Rudy's Barbecue on the west side of town. I tenant Art Craft. It's Rudy's Barbecue and Country Store getting ready for UTEP basketball. With Keith Adams and Joe Golding tonight. Have a lot to talk about, I'm sure. We go back to the phones. 505-6009, our telephone number. Here's Fernie, who's been waiting through the break. Fernie, what's going on, man? How are you? What's going What's going on, Steve? Not much, Fernie. You are. What's Adrian? happening? Well, they got me watching a girls' uh, volleyball game yesterday. That I mean, that was for sure. Good. You know, so that's, yeah. I mean, that was. That was impressive, but obviously they were outmatched. No pun intended. But uh, I mean, it's it's good. I'm surprised we haven't lost Wallace or you know the coach from the the volleyball team to to a bigger school or, or bigger mid major. You know. Well, we talked about that. If it happens, I wouldn't be surprised. I don't necessarily think they'll lose him to a mid major. I kind of feel like if if I'm Ben Wallace, I'm not looking to make a a jump to go to a, a similar type of school in, in, in the Mountain West or the American Athletic Conference. If I'm, if I'm waiting, I'm waiting for power. By the way, here's what's interesting, okay? Mike Jordan has been at New Mexico State forever, and he never left. And he was taking that team to the tournament a ton. And has so, he's, he's, he's had more success than anybody. So, you know, and you look at a guy like Mike and say, man, he could have gone anywhere, and he's stuck around Las Cruces all these years. So who knows with Ben Wallace? I mean, realistically, if UTEP takes good care of him, gives him the resources he needs, he continues to be, you know, successful as a coach, um, you know, maybe he's, maybe he stays longer than you think. Who knows? Yeah, but, you know, as for, I mean, I, I just I saw some comments or something saying, you know, that they deserve the better facility to play in. I'm like, what would be a better facility? I'm, I'm saying, I mean, you're, you're looking at the Haskins, which is, man, you know, it's crazy. I was just, it's off, off topic, but I, the Haskins is already like 35, 36 years old or something like that, right? It's and, uh, The Haskins what, Center uh, is 37 years old. Well, the Moody, you know, the Moody Center in Austin, that just got knocked down. You know, for a, for a medical facility or whatever, and they built a, a you know a big old facility. Facility. So, when eventually would we start, or at least you know the Texas yeah. system? When would they start considering? Hey, the Haskins Center. Maybe it's 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 outlived its its function, and maybe we should consider a new facility. 
So I think you, know? you were talking about the Frank Irwin Center, actually. That was yeah, the Frank Irwin. Yeah, I'm sorry, the Moody's. Uh, the, yeah, Frank Irwin Center. That one got knocked down. Yeah, the Moody is the brand new one, actually. It, it, it's uh, and by the way, the Moody, you know, the Moody Center was a three hundred and seventy-five million dollar arena. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a, it's a massive, it's a massive undertaking. And I need to, I needed, I need to double check and see how that was, how that was financed. Um, I'm just curious because our, our Haskins is, you know, it's getting old and it's getting, it's getting, I mean, it, it still looks okay, obviously, but. So here's I the mean, deal. Just, here's, it, here's, here's the deal on the Moody Center. Okay. Um, it was constructed on land owned by the University of Texas, but the venue was privately financed through a unique partnership between Oakview Group, Live Nation, Matthew McConaughey, and the University of Texas at Austin. Matthew McConaughey? Yep. Oh, yeah. I mean, Matthew McConaughey is like the biggest Texas supporter on the planet. What did you say? 350 mil. 375? You know, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe he dumped in maybe he dumped in 25 or 50 million dollars. Who knows? Matthew McConaughey's got a ton of money. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that's something to consider, but it doesn't say anything that the city county put any money towards it right there was nothing correct and what correct. about this nothing nothing came from the state that's right that is absolutely right by the way um according to celebrity net worth matthew mcconaughey has an estimated net worth of 160 million dollars i don't know adrian uh nothing from the city and the county fernie's right i mean it was a very, very unique partnership. And look at all the relationships they've developed because of the Moody Center and leading up to the Moody Center. It's not like uh, Matthew McConaughey is just going to say, uh, all right, I'm ready to you know, write a check to the university. He obviously had a relationship with them. He's, he's a professor there, uh, you know, and he has a really deep uh, relationship to where he feels like there's value in uh, that big donation to try and upgrade their facility. And by the way, the Oakview Group, they funded the construction and they're going to manage the building in exchange for the right to non-UT events, such as concerts and shows, for at least the first 35 years after opening. Genius move right there, because if you can capitalize on concerts, you heard Dr. Heather Wilson yesterday on Sports Talk, and what she was able to say about the concerts that go, if you can capitalize on those things, the extracurricular events that come to your uh, facilities, and that's a big plus. Yeah, it, it really is. So there's your scoop on, on how Moody uh, how the Moody Center was built. All right, one hour down, one to go. We're with you till 6 o'clock tonight, early show, because we've got UTEP basketball with John Teicher, Keith Adams, and Joe Golding coming up from Rudy's at... Six o'clock. We'll come back with more in a moment and tell you about the latest dining deals. If you love Mexican food, this is one you absolutely need to take advantage of. We'll tell you about it in just a moment. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. Start of hour number two here on the show. Welcome back, everybody. We only have two hours with you today. We're uh, going to take you right up till six. John will be back. Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue getting ready for UTEP basketball with Keith Adams. And Joe Golding. Hey, uh, when you go to our website at 600ESPNLPaso.com, click on the dining deals. And uh, I am excited because coming up this Friday, you can have the opportunity to take advantage of $50 at Gonzalo's GNR Mexican Restaurant for just $25. You know, there's a ton of people out there 
that uh, have lived uh, and grown up in El Paso, lived there their whole lives, but they might not know about GNR. And I'm amazed because when I was a kid and my dad used to uh, sell pens for Schaefer in those days, that's where he moved here in the late 70s. So people always ask, well, how'd you come to El Paso from New York? Well, my dad was a traveling pen salesman and... People are like, you got to be kidding. Oh, no, this was the 70s. There were plenty of traveling salesmen in those days, and my dad sold pens. So uh, when I would go to the office to go uh, hang out with him, there were always a series of restaurants that when he would go eat and go out uh, to, to lunch, when I was working there and helping him out, that he would let me uh, tag along for. And GNR was one of my favorites. And the fact that um, we are giving you the opportunity to enjoy $50 to uh, GNR Mexican restaurant for just 25 is a it, it's one of the great great deals that we have to offer in fact uh, if you've never been it's 401 East Nevada right at the corner of Nevada and Kansas and uh, you know we've got uh, Nick and Patty uh, they are uh, brother and sister they operate the place and uh, it's so so good and it doesn't matter what you want uh, I love Chilorianos that's some of my favorite food I'm going to get and theirs are, are spectacular uh, they also had the enchiladas today. Fajitas, uh, tacos are great too. Um, everything about the restaurant just makes you feel good. There's certain places that you get a good feeling. Adrian, I feel good every time I'm in GNR. Love the fact that our listeners could take advantage Friday beginning at 10 a.m. and purchase these $50 gift certificates to uh, GNR for $25 from Dining Deals. You know, I'm. Uh, you told a really good story about GNR and how it, it uh, you know, it kind of impacts you personally. I have a good personal story as well. Just last year, uh, I hit up GNR and said, hey, we're hosting people for our wedding. Like, we need a, a good spot that's kind of close to everything, uh, almost like a welcome party spot. Well, they closed down the entire restaurant for our family. Wow. Uh, our family took up well, <laughs> way too much space, and so we needed extra tables. Uh, but GNR was exceptional for that. So not only are they great for lunch and dinner, but also think about them if you have, are hosting a bunch of people in town. Uh, give them a call. They're uh, they're awesome. I love their menu. They had their entire menu available that time. Incredible. And, uh, yeah, I'm a big fan of their uh, enchiladas, Steve. Awesome. Yep, that's what I had today. I had the uh, baked uh, cheese and uh, delicious. So, again, folks, um, it's $50 for $25. You can go to Carity.com, click on the dining deals, uh, and just in the in the uh, what's hot bar, must read bar, and you're good to go. Simple as that. And while you're there, um, if you are looking for like ways to save for the holidays, we have a, a, a quite a few restaurants that are all part of those same deals, and some of the best restaurants in town. So doesn't matter what kind of food you're looking for. We've got it, and it's all up right now at uh, our website at Carity.com. All right. Start of hour number two. Excited. Jeff Erickson will join us in a little bit. Lane Frank coming up on tomorrow's show. So tomorrow's show. Hey, uh, UTEP is offering players left and right right now. Um, I saw that Mike Deal's son, who uh, played last year at Tulane, was offered uh, by UTEP here today. Know the name. Devin Deal, man. Devin Deal. He is uh, like... Okay, th- there's offers out there, and this is a big offer because if this actually, if they land him, this is a marquee player. Like, he is that kind of guy. I watched Tulane football this year, and the bits that I watched on defense, I was saying, who's number?
number 90. This guy's kind of flying all around. It's Devin Deal who played high school at Pebble Hills uh, for football, and then he finished his high school career under Jesse Perales and Naaman Forrest, moved out to East Texas to end his high school career, uh, was offered by everybody, including UTEP, uh, during that recruitment process, but end- ended up at Tulane. Had success as Tulane, and his head coach left to Houston, where he holds an offer from. He also has an offer from Sonny Dykes out at TCU, and so now UTEP wants to get in the mix as well. They said they're not afraid of other schools across the Big 12. They want um, you know Devin Deal to know that he's got a spot on the UTEP roster. I think the hardest part is this, okay? And this is what's so difficult right now. Again, when UTEP is going out and they're battling with everybody, considering right now they don't have NIL dollars, you wonder how much of a difference that will make a difference that will make when you're dealing with players in the portal. Because yes, uh, going to a Power Five usually means dollars attached. The difference is they might not play as much as they could play here. So you wonder, for a guy like Devin Deal, what's most important? Going back and maybe playing in front of uh, friends and family and, and making uh, some NIL dollars in the process or trying to go Power 5 and, uh, and, and do that. Yeah, I think that for him, it would probably be the best place that would give him a path to the NFL. I think that that's where Devin Deal's mind is at. It should be at. He's that good of a player. He plays an interesting kind of like hybrid defensive end linebacker role. So uh, similar to Jadrian Taylor when he was here at UTEP, plays that kind of role, uh, but can really pass, uh, you know, cover the pass. That's what I like about him and and what he's able to do on the defensive side of the ball. I I think you're exactly right. It's hard to nail down which are just soft uh, offers right there. Like They're really uh, shooting for the moon and trying to bring some of these guys to El Paso and which ones are like concrete. They feel good about it. This is part of their early signing day class, which is next week, a week from today, Wednesday of next week, December 20th. Their early signing day class uh, will be announced. So it's it's just going to be interesting all across the board to see what's going to happen. Uh, we heard two names that were officially committed today to UTEP. Linebacker safety Trace Meadows. I talked about a hybrid role uh, that this defense likes to throw out there. At least it did at Austin P. And then they also signed uh, safety Michael Ray Jr. who announced his commitment. Uh, Devin Deal better than both those guys just as a prospect overall. Michael Ray Jr. Tyler Jr. College in Tyler, Texas. That's where he hails from. There's another pipeline for Tyler Junior College. That pipeline looks to remain intact, Steve. I think that's good, right? Think about all the past Tyler guys who've been on uh, UTEP's roster in the past. Kelly Akari, Tyron Smith. It feels like they produce at least one wide receiver that goes to UTEP every single year. I think Justine Clark was also from Tyler Junior College, if I'm not mistaken. But point is, looks like that pipeline, that connection between UTEP's program and Tyler Junior College will remain there. Let's talk about a very, very strange situation that happened today, okay? And this involves college athletes who were denied the chance to play immediately after transferring a second time. We found out that a federal judge in northern West Virginia today issued a 14-day temporary restraining order against the NCAA, which now will allow athletes to... Uh, be immediately eligible. But the crazy thing is, is that the hearing for the restraining order is scheduled for December 27th. So here's the thing. Uh, and this involves UTEP because of Baylor Hep. So 
Uh, he has been wanting to transfer and get eligibility, was denied. According to this story today, he could play for UTEP and be eligible for 14 days. Now, what does that mean, Adrian? Does that mean he uses up a year of eligibility? Does that mean he would have to go back to being ineligible if he plays for 14 days? And I think schools right now with players all in this category are scrambling to try to get clarity what this could do to impact guys like uh, uh, Baylor Hebb. Yeah, this is automatically opening up the floodgates for all these players who faced ineligibility uh, restrictions because of waivers that they've been trying to clear through the NCAA. Okay, so to backtrack on all of this for our listeners who are trying to keep up with the portal and the ever-changing uh, you know things that happen with it, the NCAA ruled this past year that one you can transfer one time and be immediately eligible. No problem at all. But as soon as you transfer twice, your, your second time transferring, that's where you need to apply for an eligibility waiver. And we've saw or we saw uh, throughout the college football season, a lot of the guys, their waiver was denied through the because of that's the NCAA. Right. So now we're into college basketball season. There's a lot of teams, not just UTEP, a lot of teams with guys who are facing waiver concerns with the NCAA. And a lot of those haven't been clear whether or not yep. they're going to happen. So this 14-day window to me, I, I feel like this is going to be extended throughout the rest of the season, don't you? I do. And, and all that I can think about is how if this ends up happening, Baylor Hebb was really robbed of nine games early on into the UTEP season. This could have all been avoided, but again, it's a it's a disorganization by the NCAA, and uh, I hope they come up with some kind of solution either way. Just rule on it either way. If you're Joe Golding, though, don't you absolutely take advantage of this with Baylor Hebb since outside shooting has been a a big problem over these last four or five games for your team and he was brought in specifically for that reason Yes, and let me be clear. Baylor Hebb is not a proven three-point scorer at the Division One level. Okay, Colorado State last year he made five three-pointers. Granted, he only attempted eighteen of them, so he's he doesn't have a large sample size with that Rams squad last year. And then the year before that, really didn't play at all for Colorado State. The year before that, didn't really play at all for a really good Loyola Chicago team. But all the coaches rave about Baylor Hebb's shooting and the first win after the first victory that they had against uh, UC Santa Barbara players kept saying free Baylor free Baylor and and we all wondered why I mean you know this team looked like they had a lot of depth at that point early into the season when they were winning games uh, but now you kind of see why the glaring issue UTEP is the fifth worst team in all of college basketball in three-point shooting 23 percent is what they're averaging from beyond the arc right now uh, they desperately need any sort of help they can get from beyond the arc and if it's Baylor Hebb so be it if it's you know getting Sebastian Cole off the bench, which is what they've been re- relying on and doing, uh, that's how they're trying to get some three-pointers to finally fall throughout this season. Yeah, you're right. So again, uh, that'll probably be a subject that I'm sure John Teicher will get into during his 30 minutes with head coach Joe Golding because of the significance and the uniqueness of this particular story today.
Yeah, and I talked to somebody within the basketball program today. They said that they're, I mean, obviously they're they're looking into this. This was immediately yeah. talked about throughout all the coaching staff, and I guess they have to weigh all the options. So I'm sure uh, they're looking for clarity. They're searching from an- for answers from the NCAA. Uh, if Baylor Hebb is eligible, do we see him as early as Sunday against well, Abilene Christian? He's been practicing with them all season. I don't see why not. I think the key is this. you got to find out that if he plays for two weeks and then all of a sudden he's ineligible, Again, does he lose a year of does he lose a year of eligibility? Because if that's the case, you don't want to sacrifice two weeks for for someone's junior season. Oh, I mean, come on, of course not. Well, to win the Don Haskins Sun Bowl Invitational, that's all that you could have for fourteen days, and you burn a whole year of eligibility. That's terrible. No and, way. And Abilene Christian. That's yeah. it. That's all you would get. You get Abilene Christian and the West Star uh, Don Haskins Sun Bowl Invitation. No, not worth it. Not even close. I mean, no. You just give them a game. That's not even worth it. Conference tournament, not worth it whatsoever. Uh, it has to be. It has to be for the rest of the year, in my opinion. I agree with you, but they don't know that because they don't know because. And then here is also the question: What if the NCAA? appeals it and if they try to appeal the uh, 14-day injunction and players are suddenly making somebody eligible then it gets even stickier right and what if the NCAA also says well athletes in Colorado Illinois New York North Carolina Ohio Tennessee and West Virginia those college players who are facing those waivers can play immediately but everybody else can't oh they'll get sued they'll get sued by everybody that right. would be a total disaster look the NCAA is a joke anyway and, and, and more how much more of a mockery is it going to be they have no control, Steve. That's why federal judges are coming in. And remember, what initially granted NIL? A federal judge. Yep. It, it took a Supreme Court ruling for this to That's actually right. pu- be put in place. So it's uh, it, it takes these people, whether it's Supreme Court judges, whatever it may be, to make the decisions for the NCAA, despite we, the fact that uh, all these universities and institutions are paying millions and millions to all these people to make these decisions. They can't make them up. They can't make these decisions. That's the bottom line. 17 past as we continue here on Sports Talk. We'll come back. We'll talk a little fantasy next with uh, Jeff Erickson from Rotowire right after Charlie One, who's standing by with this traffic update. Stephen D. Little Jim Ward for you. As we continue here on Sports Talk. In fact, his restaurant, Eloise, was our uh, featured restaurant last week. On uh, dining deals, we just got done talking about uh, GNR this Friday. You can buy, um, and if you've never been to uh, Jim's place, uh, Eloise, on the west side, uh, right there off of uh, Shadow Mountain, you need to check it out, folks. Such a cool vibe and great food, and that's also available. Tons of restaurants. I'm telling you, it's the holiday season. It's the time to to get great deals and great uh, and great opportunities, and this is the way to do it. Dining deals at krod.com. Let's go to the phones right now. Talk a little fantasy sports with our pal Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com, your one-stop shop for all fantasy sports. All right, Jeff, last time we had you on, the Otani uh, deal wasn't official. So let's start with Shohei and just the the fantasy impact of him going to a Dodgers lineup that is stacked offensively and how this could influence his uh, his offensive numbers and his draft value in uh, in 2024. Man, what a loaded top of the lineup there. And, you know, they kept their powder dry last offseason, and this is why. So they could afford Shohei Otani. Uh, I mean, afford, well, maybe not afford is the right word, but you know what I mean. Fit, budgetarily fit it, I guess, if you will. And, uh, boy, it, it's a scary-looking lineup. Somebody's still got a pitch, though. 
Uh, and so I don't think the Dodgers are done. I think they probably make a really strong bid on Yamamoto. Otherwise, they go trade for Tyler Glass now, or maybe they do both. Uh, mm-hmm. Because they, they still have a lot, a lot of work still left to do on that side of the diamond. Yeah, and it also sounds like uh, Julio Urias uh, might not be back anytime soon, if not ever, with uh, right. his uh, situation that uh, off the field that ultimately now we found out, uh, I guess, the, the L.A. District Attorney's Office is starting to investigate, and it does not look good for him. No, it doesn't. Um, yeah, yeah, and, and plus, keep in mind, Kershaw's got the shoulder issue, uh, so they've got a lot of work to do on the pitching side of the coin. They sure do. Uh, meanwhile, there has been some other movers uh, in baseball. I know we, we touched on it last week. We can talk about it again. Um, injuries for young prospects. Ronnie Mauricio and Andy Rodriguez are both going to miss the season due to various injuries they suffered in winter ball. These are two guys that if you play dynasty leagues, you know all about them. And both of them had an opportunity to have a pretty good impact this year. Yeah, absolutely. As a matter of fact, I I traded for Mauricio in a league, so uh, that that was that was a suboptimal development to be sure. Uh, Pittsburgh, it does what one thing it does do there is it forces their hand. Henry Davis is already going to be behind the plate for them. He spent the whole year in the outfield once he got called up. They they already had committed even before this injury. Early November, Ben Charrington said that Henry Davis was going to be. Uh, a, a catcher, um, and now this is like, okay, there's no turning back now with Rodriguez out. Yeah, that's true. In fact, I guess if there's one benefit, it's it's a guy like Davis. Yep, uh, absolutely. And, you know, here's the thing, though. Davis, I mean, he didn't necessarily get high marks for his game calling, and that affects someone like Mitch Keller, for instance. He may want to be a little bit more circumspect. Maybe Maybe the, uh, Davis will get that work in with him over time, and you know will become a better, better behind the plate. But that's something to kind of watch for a little bit there. Does it? And, and all of Pittsburgh's young pitching, uh, because they, let's face it, this is not a veteran staff that they'll be working with. Um, not having an experienced catcher behind the plate is going to hurt them, perhaps. I would think, you know, someone like Ronzi Contreras, who's already kind of struggling to find his way, or Quinn Priester, who spent the last part of the season on, in their rotation, might hurt them more than it hurts others, too. What should we expect from Jung Hoo Lee, who just signed a six-year, $113 million deal with the Giants? Well, I mean, it, from a fantasy perspective, I would have liked to have seen him land elsewhere. Um, you know, he's a top-of-the-order type of guy. Great on-base skills. I wonder how much the park and the surrounding lineup hurts him a little bit, like counting stat-wise, things of that nature there. Definitely, it, it, it's, they finally landed a big player, though. Remember last offseason, they were in on Judge, didn't get him. They, they were in on Carlos Correa and then backed out. Turns out that might have been the right call. Uh, but they didn't get, you know, they, they settled for, like, Mitch Hanniger and Michael Conforto, both coming off of injuries, uh, and they got limited results out of that. They needed they needed some sort of injection of excitement into this lineup. does hurt someone like maybe like Luis Matos, who might have been projected to be their starting center fielder. We'll see uh, if Matos stays in that lineup or not, or maybe they decide he needs a little bit more seasoning. Is Lee somebody that you think could potentially be a top 150, top 200 player? Yeah, if he runs. Um, I, I think that's going to be the, the key there because he's not going to hit for a lot of power. Um, if, I mean, if you look uh, in, in the KBO, he, he slugged 491 
and that's in a league where the pitching isn't that great. There's not a whole lot of good fastball pitchers. It's where you know four A pitchers in the in the majors go to resuscitate their career. Um, there, that said, there you know there there are some hitters that can overcome that, but I, I think you're you're really kind of hoping that Lee hits for high average and you know and runs a little bit more. I mean, he's fast enough to be a center fielder, so. That that is something in his favor. So what are we thinking, Mike Yastrzemski with speed? Um, I was thinking Hassan Kim, except as an outfielder. I like Hassan King though. He was. Oh, he I was, do too. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I don't think he's as good as Kim. Okay, he's older. First of all, he, he's more polished, uh, but he was a little bit older when he, he came over in the first place. There, um, I, I think he's, he's definitely though. He's he's solid. Though he he he's just I just don't think he's a star. I don't know where Yoshinobu Yamamoto is going to land, but I still feel like he's a guy that's going to have uh, a lot of fantasy value when it comes to drafts. Oh, hundred percent, absolutely, he's going to. Um, I, I think he's someone that we're uh, excited to see where he he ends up. Um, and absent of Coors Field, which is hot, that's never happening. Um, I think he's going to land in a pretty good spot, and he'll he'll be he'll be great. Now, I, I would say I'm still expecting the Dodgers to throw in pretty hard and heavy here. I'm expecting the Cubs to be very active in this pursuit, and, and even the Jays. Although I think the Jays need hitting more than they need pitching. There's a lot of good free agents left. I mean, I'm looking at the list right now: Cody Bellinger, you've got Blake Snell, Jordan Montgomery, uh, Dylan Cease. You mentioned Glasnow a little while ago. Uh, Matt Chapman's still out there. Josh Hader, who's been rumored to go to the Dodgers. It's a nice class right now. Well, Cease is not a free agent. That, that would be a trade. Um, the White Sox have put them on the put him on the market, though. But, yeah, so uh, your, your point holds that he's an interesting name out, out on that market there. Um, and I guess is Glasnow is Glasno still in the same spot? He's not a free agent Same, either, same right? with Glasnow, too, okay, yeah. So those that are... would be also be a trade. Got it. And I'm hearing Ryan Pepio is the main prospect that they're looking at there. Who's A pitcher I'm high on, actually. Of the young Dodger pitchers, he, he had the best development. Hmm, very interesting. More in a moment as we hit the bottom of the hour. We'll do football next with uh, Jeff. But first, let's go right back to Adrian and get this Sports Center update. Adrian, thank you very much. We're back right now with uh, Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com. If you've got any football questions, this is the time to do it for sure. Uh, let's talk football. Uh, Tommy Cutlets getting a lot of love with what he's been doing with the Giants. The, the Tommy DeVito story is pretty amazing when you think about where he came from and what he's been able to do the last few weeks. It is, uh, considering where he, what his debut looked like against the Jets and how bad that was. Absolutely. Um, yeah, uh, it has been fun to watch. And it just illustrates, too, though, the value of reps, the value of knowing you're the starter, getting the practice, first team reps, and developing and, and waiting to see. Now, there, there might be a coda to this story. We saw, saw it with Josh Dobbs where we're, we're tape gets out on a guy and his tendencies become a little bit more diagnosed and you know the team start to prep for his his abilities that might change things back um and so you know the pendulum can swing back back and forth cincinnati is going through the same phenomenon with jake browning right now um and you know you might see it you know we, we saw it earlier with like gardner Minshew in the course of his career where he's kind of gone up and down will levis the same thing um even joe flacco by the way how can you not love Joe Flacco? Joe Flacco is like, he is, he forget fantasy. I mean, just if you're a football fan, Joe Flacco is like the American dream. That's the best way to put it. Yeah. 
he is. Uh, I mean, it's you know, he's living his best life. He, he, you know, is he elite? Who cares if he's elite? He's still thirty-eight and still starting in the NFL. Good for him. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, meanwhile, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, he went vintage on Monday against the Dolphins. It was all he looked like the old D Hop in a big, big way to help Levis out. Yeah, he went nuclear. One might say, um, and you know, it was. Fun to watch that, uh, you know, and seeing Levis kind of unlock him a little bit more than what was happening earlier in the year. Now, I, you know, the week before they were arguing on the sidelines, so it kind of kind of goes both ways there. But yeah, I mean, they came up big in a big moment there on national TV. They have a pretty decent matchup this week against Houston too. Houston gave up over 300 passing yards to Zach Wilson for crying out loud last week. Yeah, sticking with Houston, Jeff. Uh, C.J. Stroud goes out of that game. There's no Tank Dell right now. D- Dalton Schultz, uh, while he's questionable, maybe he plays this weekend. Maybe he doesn't. How much of a different team do they appear to you right now versus just you know three weeks ago? No massive difference. I mean, the Jets have this tendency to drag everyone down into the muck, uh, and sure enough, they did that. But then they also lost Nico Collins, and I don't think that injury can be overstated. I think that was a pretty big one, too, especially in conjunction with Dell out. They probably will get Schultz back, as you alluded to. He got taken off the uh, injury report uh, today, so I, I think he will be playing. But uh, And Noah Brown isn't 100% either, so it's just definitely not the fun it's a fun little story that we saw a couple of weeks ago. We'll see. I hope Stroud plays, but obviously that, that one's going to come down to the wire, as with any other uh, player that's in the concussion protocol. Yeah, more on disappointment. How about the Dolphins uh, with no Tyreek Hill for the majority of that second half? I know he, he came back in. The ankle's still a question mark. I'm not sure whether or not he's going to play. But more than just that, th- their matchup this week is not favorable to them, knowing that the Jets, while they have their struggles, they're elite uh, in terms of pass defense uh you know uh, every any given sunday yeah absolutely uh this is this is and the Dolphins are missing their starting center Torres acl in the first half of that game and you'll notice that was about the demarcation point where the dolphins are offense really started to struggle even before hill got hurt um so the pass rush is getting home a lot more and that's something you have to be worried about i always say what you know anytime you lose a starting center it's it's not it's like the second biggest loss right behind uh starting quarterback there you know i saw with the lions they lost their starting center frank ragnow against the saints two weeks ago and that, and you saw what happened against the bears the Lions looked way off, and I think that's something that we, we need to pay more attention to these offensive line injuries. By the way, the Jets are the most frustrating team in football, and as a Jets fan, give me a break. They have five wins, <laughs> and four of them come against the Bills, the Broncos, the, the Eagles, and the Texans. I mean, that's the thing. is like You just don't know what to expect, and Zach Wilson, who looked horrible again in the first half, but not horrible. He just was very conservative and very bland. All of a sudden, yep. look what happens when you open up the offense and you give him a chance to throw the ball downfield in a rainstorm. Success breeds confidence, right? Um, and confidence breeds future success. Uh, you know, he hit a couple of big passes to Garrett Wilson and Ty Conklin, and all of a sudden, okay, I got, you know, we're in a rhythm now. Uh, it, it just, it, it opens up the rest of the offense, too. You know, it, it makes the running game a little bit better. It makes everything a little bit better there, too. Uh, and, yeah, you like to see it there, especially because, I mean, you know, <laughs> It's probably too little too late for everybody that's had Garrett Wilson all season, but you did like to see this is, this is what we drafted when we drafted Garrett Wilson at the 1-2 turn. 
You're right. You're absolutely right. Um, and now you just hope it'll. It's not just a. It's not just thirty minutes of football. Hopefully, you can see a little more of it. Now, will they do it against the Dolphins? Uh, especially after you know what Miami's coming off of their their past. Uh, you know their their loss uh, to Tennessee. Not to mention their thirty four thirteen thrashing of the Jets in the first meeting. That I will be interested to see. Who are some of the uh, your favorite plays this week in fantasy? Love the Rams this week against the Commanders. I understand the Commanders are coming off the bye, but I don't think they've fixed their uh, defensive issues. Matthew Stafford's been kind of clicking lately anyhow. We just saw Cooper Cup have his best game in a while. Puka Nakua looks great. Kyron Williams is back. I like all all four of those players this week. Uh, I think should make for – I think you run it back on the other side too, and I, I think the Commanders are going to score some points. In fact – if you're playing DFS, you need the commanders to score some points to make sure that the Rams keep it wide open. Are there any teams you just don't like this week? Man, do we, how much time do we have? Uh, start, yeah, the first six quarterbacks that are starting this week, chronologically, are all backups. We've got Aiden O'Connell against, uh, against Easton Stick on Thursday night. You got Jake Browning versus Nick Mullins the first game on Saturday. The second game on Saturday, Gardner Minshew against Mitch Trubisky. Uh, we we have to wait till Detroit Denver to get our first matchup of original starters. And I hate the status of Jared Goff right now, and I hate that matchup against Denver. So I don't like you know I don't like Goff, and I don't like St. Brown this week. I'm going to start St. Brown if I have him because I can't do better. But I'm not I'm not happy about it. That's for sure. Al Michaels must be like feeling like he's in broadcast hell. I mean, he's got those Thursday night games on Amazon, and you mentioned the Chargers Raiders, and it's the feature of two backup quarterbacks that nobody uh, really knows much about, and, and poor Michaels has to go and do it. And then we find out that he's not even going to get to call a playoff game this year. I almost feel it's like he went to live. You know, and so he's not allowed to play in the majors anymore. Um, uh, I know it's it's. I know they cooperate, and it's not a contentious relationship. But it's just like, yeah, you went to Amazon. They're streaming. Oh, you get stuck with these games now. Exactly right. Unless he gets uh, some kind of prime hookup, which it wouldn't be nearly enough to compensate with what he's having to deal with. Yeah, it's a very, very tough situation for Al Michaels. All right, uh, let's profile the website uh, and all the stories you want to talk about right now at RotoWire.com. Sure. Uh, you know, it's playoff time. It's fancy playoffs this week. It starts up. We got all of our rankings, our free agent ideas, our, our strategy tips. I did my podcast today with the NFL Network's Michael Florio. We're gonna, we talked a lot about setting playoff lineups. So check that out as well because, hey, most leagues, fancy playoffs begin this week. So uh, we got you covered every single angle. Rotowire.com slash free gets you a free uh, peek behind the paywall. Oh, nice. Uh, any, uh, any possible idea which uh, story uh, your dog wants to recommend uh, this week for the show? Uh, he wants the one that involves t- treats and walks. Um, and he, he's big on both. Good. Well, listen, you take care of that. We'll talk to you again real soon. Jeff, as always, appreciate the time and all the analysis. My pleasure. Thanks, Steve. Jeff Erickson, rotowire.com as we continue. 19 in front of six. John Teicher will be next. We'll talk to Teich and get uh, his thoughts as we get ready to wrap it up on our two-hour edition of Sports Talk. It's all right here, 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, final countdown here on Sports Talk. Man, week's already halfway over. Hard to believe it's already Wednesday. That means we've got uh, two more days left, and then uh, it's the weekend, which will include uh, the Miners and Abilene Christian in a game that most UTEP basketball fans are calling a must-win for a lot of reasons. They don't want to see Joe Golding go into his old school and 
lose with UTEP, which I completely understand. I think there's a lot of validity to that. As we welcome back to the show, the voice of the UTEP Miners, John Teicher. Teich, good to have you back. It's been a busy week already. We had the UTEP volleyball run, which came to an end last night at Memorial Gym. It was so great to see that facility packed uh, like it was with those three straight sellouts over the last few uh, few games. And uh, again, uh, back to UTEP basketball and the the matchup that uh, a lot of people are talking about right now, uh, Abilene Christian coming up here uh, this weekend. Yeah, I know. Uh, I don't think Joe's uh, actually, uh, Steve, looking forward to it all that much. You know, generally uh, uh, coaches don't like to go back and, and play schools that they've, they've worked at, and particularly, uh, you know, Joe and Brett Tanner, who was his associate head coach for eight years, at ACU are the best of friends, and Tanner talked about it uh, earlier this week. He's not really looking forward to it either, at least the matchup with Golding. He's looking forward to the opportunity to play a program like UTEP, which doesn't often visit uh, Abilene, Texas. But uh, other than that, I don't think either coach is uh, is much looking forward to it, although it's about the players really, isn't it? It's not, in the sure. end, it's not about the coaches. It's about the players. 2 o'clock, uh, that game tips off. Uh, we'll have it for you beginning at one thirty. Countdown to tip uh, with John and Steve out there in Abilene, Texas for UTEP and Abilene Christian this Sunday here on 600 ESPN El Paso. The uh, 14-day um, injunction allowing players that are looking for second year uh, a second uh, school that they can get eligible grants them they basically a, a two week stay of eligibility John this is a really really strange story that broke earlier today and it obviously affects UTEP because of Baylor Hebb who could suddenly find himself uh, eligible for two weeks this season yeah we ought to ask Cammy Carrera about it who's UTEP's uh assistant uh, compliance director who's here for the show tonight she just walked in your timing's perfect excellent steve maybe she's got an answer but uh, i don't know what the implications of that would be let's you know there again there there's going to be a hearing as you well know later this month so if uh, if baylor heb uh, for for example uh, is uh, is ruled uh, to be able to play for two weeks what would be the implications exactly if at the hearing two weeks from now He's deemed not to be eligible. So I, I, I don't know that the schools really have a whole lot of direction at this point as to way this thing, uh, as, as to way this thing should or will go. How would you describe Baylor Hebb's play, John? I mean, for our listeners who haven't been to practice, haven't seen him, how would you describe him on the court? Uh, you know, he, he's a kid that's played a little bit. Uh, uh, Adrian, as you mentioned, he hasn't played a lot. He's played a little bit. Um, he's a kid that I think is fairly well-rounded. He seems to be fundamentally sound. Uh, he certainly is, is willing to put out the effort to defend the way Joe Golding wants to defend. It looks like he's got some capability as a shooter, but again, as you pointed out, there's not a whole lot of uh, track record at this level that he will be able to do that at a, uh, proficient, uh, at a proficient level. So I guess we'll just have to wait and see. But, I, again, he's a kid that plays hard. He's fundamentally sound. It looks like he can shoot. And uh, I guess we'll just have to wait and see until he gets his opportunity. John, the Utah football coaching staff is off and running. They're everywhere. They're uh, in town. They're out of town. They're hosting in-homes. They're going out recruiting. They're, they've gotten two commitments today. They've essentially realized they have to rebuild what could be a massive roster overhaul in a very short amount of time. 
I don't know how they keep it straight, uh, Steve. Who's coming? Who's going? And, of course, uh, UTEP uh, has several members of the existing uh, roster in the transfer portal, some of whom will definitely leave, some of whom uh, uh, might have the opportunity to come back. So I'm not sure how Scotty Walden and his staff are are keeping it uh, uh, together in terms of figuring out uh, how this is going to go. I guess it's kind of like putting a a puzzle together. You've got those 85 uh, full scholarships to give out, and uh, I I guess you'll just just count them out until uh, you've got all 85, and then you go. Yeah, there you go. That's it. Just go until you're gone. That's simple as that. All right. Well, listen, have a great uh, show coming up in a little bit. Who's going to lead us off at 6 o'clock? Actually, it's going to be Eva Laskowska, UTEP uh, women's basketball assistant, who will get us uh, started tonight, and we'll explain that uh, as the show begins at the top of the hour. All right, so John Teicher coming up next, folks, from Rudy's Country Store and Barbecue. That'll be from 6 to 7 tonight. We will do it again tomorrow right back here at 4. Coming up tomorrow on the show, Lee Sterling will offer up his bowl extravaganza picks at 5, and then Lane Frank will drop by our 600 ESPN El Paso River Oaks Property School Art Sports Studios at 520. Until then, enjoy Utah basketball next right here, 600 ESPN El Paso.